same bat time, same bat. Wait, same Koyaanisqatsi time, same Koyaanisqatsi place. Hold it for like another. Hold it for like another minute. Keep holding it. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. What we do, don't you? We don't usually really do an intro. Oh, uh, we've we've done intros. So before. we don't do the intro right now that we're currently recording. Uh, you're listening to the Trilon uh, That's podcast. Not the name of the podcast. Shut up. <laughs> Are we still so fucking sued, dude? <laughs> We're getting sued, dude. I Listen, see papers you're at coming the in the mail right this now. This is the uh, non non official, non affiliated uh Try Love. Try Love. We're listening yeah. to Try Love. Yeah. Everybody's listening to Try Love. I'm Jason. I'm Harry. I'm Aaron. Uh John is not a here. Wall. Yeah. He left because he didn't bother to watch this movie. <laughs> Weirdo. Uh today we're talking about Kayanis Katsi, um Francis Ford Coppola's <laughs> This nineteen this, this is not Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> Okay, I didn't know if you were being serious. I'm sorry. I feel like an ass. Uh, God, I don't even remember what Godfrey it's Reggio. Godfrey Reggio. Godfrey Reggio was 1982 the film. Uh, I don't actually. Godfrey Reggio. Do you think that's how you pronounce that name? I don't know. What a bad name. I was. Name, I was afraid of Godfrey Reggio, which is a great name, and I was afraid of Ron Frick or Frick A, Priest. which is Godfrey Reggio. He's a pillar of the community. Level uh, twelve paladin. Yeah, I mean when it, when those. Yeah, I mean you know. What a great man. You know, he's been slandered recently, but Godfrey Reggio is a, a wonderful man. Are you he's, bugging? He's What's come, happening? I don't know. <laughs> he's come under a lot of uh, unfair gunfire. I think also important, just while we're naming off the names, uh, Philip Glass made the soundtrack. The composer. He is, he is 60% of this movie. the best part of this movie. It's I really like soundtrack. it. It's an amazing soundtrack. The only reason that I remember this movie is because it was mentioned in film class. I took one film class in college, and... Um, and then when I heard the name Philip Glass later, it was in context of Koji Kondo, a uh, famous Nintendo composer, being heavily influenced by Philip Glass. And, like, oh, really? Repeating, yeah. repeating structures and simple melodies sure. that build and That's stuff. That's fantastic. Which is basically the entirety of, like, the most popular Nintendo music. Um, so are you having trouble with your mic there? Nope. So, uh... Anyway, that's that's my experience with Koyana Scotty before seeing Koyana Scotty. So now we can actually start. More like Mike out of balance, right? Huh? Nobody huh? knows what that joke is yet. <laughs> that is a <laughs> Nobody knows joke. what this word means. Yeah, so good night, everyone. <laughs> th- so I guess, do, do you have any history with this film at all? No. Um, I had heard of it before okay. we went to see it, but I hadn't really looked into it too much. I had heard of it in regard to uh, some of the films that had... So there, there's two sequels to this film, and then there's uh, movies that have been kind of called kind of spiritual successors. Koyaanisqatsi-esque. Sure, that's Whoa. good. I don't want to yeah. say that word ever long. or sure. spell it. Um, but uh, <laughs> Samsara, I think, was from I want to say 2011 or so. That was, I think, nominated for best. I believe that's Reggio, isn't it? Or is it not? I don't think so. We should oh, look that okay. up. Okay, yeah, it probably Google Samsara isn't. documentary. Um, but that movie uh, was 
Ron Frick. Oh, it was Ron Frick, who was the cinematographer Frick. of Koyana Scott. Frick just took the style and ran I with guess, it. man. What a fucking baller move. <laughs> uh, but I, so I'd always heard of the film in relation to that. It is a cult classic. It's one of those films that uh, I guess gets brought up as one of the kind of great documentaries, even though it's maybe questionable if this is a documentary. I or wouldn't not. call it a documentary. You I would Sam, I would not. I would. Sam, really? Sam, Interesting. Sam Sara, for what it's worth, is being described as a non-narrative documentary, which oh. I think is close to I guess what Koyana Scott is. It's kind of a clumsy name. I would for just it. call it an experimental film, which sure. is like it's I an guess experimental not, film. Yeah, it's, it's an experimental non-narrative documentary. Koyana Scotsy esque. How would you describe this movie? If you I had, would describe it as Koyana Scotsy esque. If you were talking to someone who is maybe not as well versed in the film arts and doesn't know of the film Koyana Scotsy, so well versed, uh, you were explaining this to a relative at like Thanksgiving, and they were like, "What's the movie you're talking I about mean, I, in your podcast?" Yeah, I guess I would just like um, probably like the 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 like headline is probably that there's no plot. Mm-hmm. So to speak, there is a like a plot, there is a structure, but like uh, that it's it's characterless and dialogueless and sort of a feature length um, mood piece. With a reflection me. on human beings and the earth and kind of the relationship we have and with 80, nature and within ourselves. An eighty nine minute cinematographer's eighty five cut reel. It's eighty five. So it's, wow. it's four minutes less. Have than. you softened like? Weekend on this movie considerably no, since we no. saw it. I, I I I'm closer to probably that facetious judgment that I just gave it than I was when I first <laughs> saw it. Uh, but no, I still I still feel okay about the movie. Yeah. Do we want to? How do we? How do we all feel about it? A gut check. To, let's start with the plot. <laughs> sure. Uh, you, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> explain the plot of this. How would you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, like, is there a general arc through which this movie moves? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually. I don't know if I want to. I don't know. Is that, uh, this is, is that, stupid. Are we putting carpet like, the horse? Yeah, but it's stupid to do that, right? Like we should just talk about everything right up. But like the, I think that there's like a pretty, um, like clear in my mind at least, uh, three act structure to this, mm-hmm. and it defines yeah. a lot of what I feel about the movie and like what I think the movie is trying to say. I guess, but um, yeah, it's basically it's a basically a movie about. In my opinion, like human beings' um, relationship with the world and technology and how humans have affected the world and how our affecting the world has in turn affected human beings like mm-hmm. how our culture is defined that's a good exp- in a yeah. certain yeah and it, it does that through like from the beginning of the movie being like untouched virgin earth great flood plains and uh, cave paintings and and it walks through the sort of it in in a sort of bird's eye view hyper um it sped up version yes. of human history and yeah. development. And I think it is very interesting. And, I, you know, one of the reasons that I'm hesitant to call it a documentary is that it is very clearly taking images that we know from current day, but recontextualizing them to tell a different story. Right? Yeah, that's a really well, a good way to put it is it's, it's yeah. all about recontextualization of images, mm-hmm. of um, ideas. Not even w- within the overall structure of the film, but also from moment to moment. This film loves to show you something, you react one way, and then it fucking psych, you know, and it kind of turns it on you and <laughs> yeah. says, no, well, that's not really what's happening. So a good example, maybe we can get into the, yeah, the structure of this film. Um, it does open with, a, you know, maybe a minute or two of a cave painting. Um, right. Kind of unclear. Maybe it was just the, I, I watched this at home uh, on rented video, yeah. and maybe it wasn't 
fully buffered, but it wasn't really clear what the cave paintings were of. I, they were of people. Uh, yeah, they were like yeah. they were like the silhouettes animal. of humanoid and animal figures against a cave wall, and sure. that sort of opening framing frames what the whole movie is going to be about, which is like the sort of impassivity of nature yeah. versus the sort of fragility of human life and, sure. and the sort of like chronology imposed by human existence onto something timeless which is like a cave wall but yeah I'm and, and so my hand the next mm-hmm. shot which is really where i started kind of checking in was it, it is a uh very slow motion uh video of a uh space shuttle taking off spaceship uh, i think it was saturn five saturn five uh, it's taking off, and you're not really sure. It, honestly, at the beginning, it looks like something out of the Blade Runner sequel. Um, I mean, it looks like the the shots from Vegas, you know, yeah. where uh, Mr. Blade Runner is walking around, and there's so much. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Blade. That's his. Yeah, Icon- like, Harris Ford's iconic role. Uh, but it reminds me of that. I mean, it's it's hazy, it's foggy, it's unclear what's happening. Um, the soundtrack at this point is full on. I mean, it's a bunch of people shaking, chanting. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do an impression. You're going to do it. Um, it's probably you were, not you, were on with, you were vamping with four minutes of Kermit before I, we started recording. I don't know what, what you're talking it? about. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, so th- that's the image, but you don't know it's the spaceship taking off. Um, I should stop saying it's a spaceship, it, 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 right? That's like a sci-fi term. It looked super like... It um, is a spaceship. Wait, I don't know. I, I, I would you, call would you a, call like I mean, I'm not a scientist. Spaceship? Okay. But yeah, I would. Human, you, human rated human expendable, rated expendable rocket. rocket. Oh, come on. Wow. That's very. No, it's no good. Uh, so it takes off, but you don't know what it is. It looks, honestly, to me, it looked like a controlled demolition. Mm-hmm. Um, it that's what like it looked a like a building down. falling yeah. down. Um, Control- right. Yeah. And then you see. <laughs> I'm, I'm so right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm very I, into I that. Agree. Thank you. I, I also it looks think like destruction before you see Controlled demolition it. would be a really good name for this movie. That's sure. sort of inverse yeah, of this. Bad. But anyway, that's. Bad. Uh, so you see. I'm ending my point very soon. I swear to God. <laughs> no, go I'm for almost it. done. You see what looks like an image of destruction quickly turn into uh, a symbol of humankind's greatest achievement mm-hmm. right um and it does that within the space of maybe a minute or two of this slow-mo shot and this movie does that over and over again provides you one shot and then quickly changes how it presents that same image with different right. vertical slices of life yes. of society and i don't know i this is maybe prejudiced of me but like i came into this movie fully expecting i wouldn't like it very much mm-hmm. i thought yep. it was going to be an experimental movie in the sort of preachy, condescending, and detached style of, like, a 1960s type of hippie exploration experimental film. I think that's one of the things we said about it was... I was very afraid of that. I was afraid it was going to be detached from humanity and without a whole lot to say except a sort of general indictment of industrialization or of... And I don't think that's what this movie is, like, resoundingly, which is why I like it as much as I do. the first... Yes. I, I tweeted this out. I had maybe the one of the weirdest watching experiences I've ever had with a movie where I, the first, I would say maybe half of this movie, maybe third, but probably up to about the halfway mark. It was mark, a third for me. So I it's interesting. hated, hated what this film was doing. Um, kind of like the, the core within me was just like really negative about it. On the it. basis of what I just suggested, right? That you thought it was sort of preachy and detached from... 
from material reality and, and sort of like just holier than thou? Or? Um, no. Oh, interesting. Uh, I the the first half of this movie. Um, uh, yeah, so again, the, the movie as a whole is kind of a, an overview of mankind, humankind's uh, relationship with the environment, with technology, with ourselves, and mm-hmm. it's kind of the story of how we kind of exploit the Earth, and that will eventually kind arguably of. lead to our downfall. Ar- arguably. There's a, there's a lot of think, other stuff there. Yeah, I don't think that's ultimately what I got from it, but I see what, what you're saying. Um, but the... The parts that I didn't like is that there there are quite a few images near the beginning that are of I think typically pretty horrifying images, right? Um, uh, nuclear bomb mm-hmm. going off, uh, excavation, not just like somebody digging some stuff, but like those you know five hundred ton machines they have the in Russia digging up. Yeah, yeah, no, but even the, I don't even know what they're called, but I've seen images of these on the internet. They're like giant saw blade looking things that tear up miles of right. earth. Right. And this is this is the most Banksy part of the movie. There's a, there's yeah. a part where <laughs> it shows a used car lot or something and then the cars transform into uh, like lines of tanks and it's yes. like extremely like that part it we is, live in a society. But also yeah. the the music at that point is the most triumphant shit I've ever heard. Like there's oh. there's there's shovels digging into the earth. There's a scene literally with an atomic bomb going off in slow motion and the music is triumphant just and like swell. this is the progress of mankind this is sure um and i felt really disgusted watching it like i felt really gross. interesting like, i don't hey, know this is i think i fucked up i pretty understood that that wouldn't be what the movie was going to i say, think i understood that too but at the same time it still affected you until i kind of watched the second half of this movie and it turned some of that around i was just ready to go just like Hey, f- you know, fuck this. I kept thinking, and I've been rambling, so I will no, it's all try right. and... I kept thinking of a, a George Carlin bit that he did <laughs> in one of his last stand-up specials. Uh, and George Carlin, near the end of his life, got really kind of negative um, and <laughs> pessimistic. Yeah, no kidding. Way, really? I actually kind of like from time to time. with the rest of his career. Uh, he, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, has a, he has a bit where he's talking about climate change and people destroying the earth and hippies, where he says, like, hey, you know, you know, Hey, in a million years, we're not going to be here. The Earth, the Earth's going to be fine, baby. You know, and it's kind of like this. Uh, hey, man, you know, we're going to be gone, but the Earth's going to keep on chugging. Like, yeah, we'll mess it up, but it'll give it time. It'll come back. And I kept thinking, like, hey, that shit sucks. Like, yeah. no, there's some things that it is not so much that it is more like the end of the road. Like, there is. Like oh, I, the book, The Road. Like, there are some things that cannot be put Yes, back, and I think that right? this movie ends up saying that exactly. It does, and I'm happy it did. But Me for the too. first third, I was sure. like, so we Dude, should, we should this. we should get into that, right? Like, I think that I I mentioned that there's a three act structure to this movie. It's either three or four acts. I think that there's a break in Act Two that sort of like the guy looks at the camera, right? Uh, for me, it's the collapsing buildings. If you remember okay. that yeah. sequence, yeah. Um, but I. That's later, the guy looking at the camera, but that's also an interesting... I think the guy looking at the camera is, like, exactly halfway. There are a lot of turns in the movie, like you said, and this was one turn that really worked for me. But anyway, so in in Act 1, like, Jason, you were describing, there are sort of two focuses, and it's this desert landscape, which is this sort of, like, timeless... um, To me, it, it... looked like the American Southwest, but it could have been the steppes or mm-hmm. other. But, like, it's, like, desert, like, like giant rock structures that are timeless and have been there forever. And there's, like, a lot of, like, 
in my opinion, framing on specifically their timelessness and their eternity. Like they they show the stratification in mm-hmm. detail, it which looks is like, like bacon, which is like a visual metaphor for timelessness, mm-hmm. right? Like because you can see the the time passing, counting before the rings it. of a yeah, tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then that juxtaposed with an equally timeless, but more cyclical or, or transitory cloud uh, evaporation condensation cycle. That looked but, really fucking cool. Yeah, and it's it's time lapse and sped up, but like there's a timelessness to it where it's like there are the sort of essential two components of the world in balance, quote unquote, is like time the timelessness of rocks and then the sort of timelessness cycle of water. Mm-hmm. And those things juxtaposed, but in coordination or balance with one another. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was was yawning. So to me, that was act one, right? Sure. Um, And then in act two, they introduced humans, and that's when the stuff that, Aaron, you were calling out just now starts. It it sort of starts explosively with, like, this... this, um, So I think there's maybe two... It introduces humankind, but it doesn't doesn't introduce... People individually. No, right? it doesn't introduce people. So it introduces yeah. like industry specifically. It, yeah, the, fir- it, the first human too. that's shown is actually the one climbing in the truck. Right, I think. climbing and in the truck. Where there's like a gigantic yeah. plume. And it of introduces smoke. Yes. factories and uh, the atomic bomb and yep. industry and, and cars before it introduces humans. There's an image that's I mean straight out of 2001 of uh, like a building, you know, like a 40 story downtown Manhattan building, like the obelisk in 2001, you know, with the sun kind of arcing over the top. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same thing. Also has triumphant music behind it, and I kept thinking, right. like, man, fuck this. But you know? then there's a turn, yeah. which is that in this part, both before and after, we stop seeing the desert timelessness. We stop seeing these these rock structures that have existed forever and will exist forever. Mm-hmm. They're replaced sort of rhetorically in the movie by skyscrapers. And these skyscrapers reflect the the cyclical timelessness of the condensation cycle because you can see the clouds in them. But they become the giant monolithic structures that the desert was. Mm-hmm. Except for the turn in Act 2, which is that these things fall apart. And when they fall apart in um, in the movie, they fall apart unnervingly easily. Like, the thing that, that really struck me, there's like a, a extended five-minute sequence or so where they show big tenement buildings that are empty, and then they show them be demolished. And when they're demolished, yeah. they fall apart like they're paper mache. Like, it's so easy that it was yeah. disconcerting to me because, like, what stuck out to me was, like, how did those things ever hold together in the first place that so they can fall apart <laughs> that easily? And, like, that fragility really hit me hard and really defined what came next for me because after that, they take a much more sympathetic look at humans, right? Where, like, that's when they start zooming in on the city specifically and on people, and they show there's the probably the longest sequence of the movie, which is, to me, the yeah. second half of Act 2, I guess, if we're doing an act structure. The crowd scenes. It's, and it's crowds. It's it's big cities, one after it's another. It's what this film's kind of known for. Yes. Like, that's what and, I had always heard the most, about it. The most arresting shots of the movie, I think, which is, like, it's, it's a bunch of time-lapse increasing in speed over and over again of, like, like uh, cent- time. What is the name of that New York station? Grand Central. Can- Grand yeah, Central. Grand Central Station is sure. in it, and um, a bunch of famous city shots, intersections, cars moving, people moving in and out of traffic. But so, f- I mean, and so sped up. Yeah, and and again, to me, that emphasized both the sort of f- ferocity of 
of civilization's progress, sure. but also its inherent fragility. Like to me, watching those people cross the street in time lapse speed was really stressful because I was like, yeah. how aren't everyone getting hit by cars? <laughs> like there would be a car going by and then a second later there would be a, a woman walking two kids that would cross the street. And like, it was like they were weaving in and out of traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I was going to bring a quote. This was, we watched this a while ago, but there was a, there's a quote from Miss Lonely Hearts by Nathaniel West that I like a lot. Uh, and it's, problematic like much of that book is but it it was something like uh i can't remember it now um maybe look it up maybe i'll come back to it it? i I do remember some words for it which is that um americans that's a book about america i think koreana scotsi is about humanity more broadly but um americans dispelled their energy in an orgy of stone breaking and it was like they they broke these stro- these stones with a ferocity as if they s- knew that someday the stones would break them and it, it's like it's a That's pretty good it's a really great quote yeah. um and it it was something that i was like immediately reminded of watching this movie because like like to to me what what act 2 suggests is like we have in effect replaced the timelessness immortality of the world with yeah with mortality with like a fragility of sure. being human like there aren't there aren't the uh monolithic structures of the desert anymore and there are skyscrapers and skyscrapers will break away in in time yeah short time as we as we saw sped up was like this city is like is like headed towards um it, it's it's trying to complicate itself almost in order to impose a structure and a uh we're like imposing humanness on the act of existence, right? Like, sure. like fragility and chronology. And that, that was sort of what the cave painting also framed for me. It was like, we have the timelessness of the rock and we're imposing uh, mortality on it. And that's what the cave paintings were. We're <laughs> like, humans were like, no, we want to make existence look like humanity. Look like, like us. Yeah, yeah. We want to make it mortal and in, in time. We want to put time. We are to gods it. creating the earth in our maybe, image. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Jason, uh, do you, you want got, me to read you the? Got, you got oh, that quote? Yeah, I got the fucking, passage. Yeah, let it go, man. A lot again. No, you're good. This is going to be a weird situation for the microphone. The actual quote directly is: Americans have dissipated their radical energy in an orgy of stone breaking. In their few years, they have broken more stones than did centuries of Egyptians, and they have done their work hysterically, desperately, almost as if they knew that the stones would someday break them. Awesome. That Thanks. is really weirdly applicable, Harry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Miss Lonely Hearts is like maybe my favorite novella of all time. Um, I highly recommend reading it. It's like the darkest. Of How long are we talking to him? Fifty pages. Fifty pages. Or he told me that, and I was like, Yeah, I yeah. Put like it on perfect novella length is like twenty. Every, everyone that's should like, read that. That's a little short story, I guess. Look, uh, it's great. It's very dark. Um, in my version of the book, it's not radical energy. It's racial energy, which is rough. Whoa. It's interesting because I think Maybe he's, this is a mistransliteration. Uh, I think he's saying uh, racial as in Americans, but it's also like a like a weird, freaky thing. Yeah. It's like maybe problematic and maybe it's talk, Maybe it's speaking to um, race tensions, which could be interesting. But anyway, that's- When was this written? Uh, the 1930s. Okay. So yeah, Nathaniel mm. West was a wild dude. He he wrote like three books. Um, he was kicked out of school. He wrote screenplays that were allegedly not very good. He wrote some of the best like short stories in American fiction. Mm-hmm. He got into a car accident and died when he was like 33 years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, 
that's neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, so like, like, what do you, what did you guys think about the whole like, um, the the cityscape and like that that because like that was that's like the whole middle of the movie, right? I mean, leading up to pretty close to the end. Sure. Yeah, um, I think that there's a break for me, um, but there's a break from maybe the industrial side of things. To I think the it zooms in, kind of. It zooms in. I wrote that um, specifically a wondrous look at human achievement with the human aspect removed. Um, I, I don't actually get – it's a look at people, but it kind of treats the people like ants, you know? Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's too fast for human, yeah. right? There, there's maybe three too or four shots. Well, no. So, sorry. We should bring up – the best shot in the film. <laughs> you you did say this. I love this shot. Hell it's fantastic. Yeah. Wait, is it the one I saw, I'm thinking of? It's I the think one where I turned to you and I said, I of. whispered, that's Guyana Scotsy. <laughs> um, so I had, I had, just for Jason here, I don't think you know, uh, I had watched this movie at home mm-hmm. and then I had, uh, I think I had, mess- I was messaging Harry about it yeah. and I had messaged him uh, something uh, akin to, uh, yo, mutton chops, dude, kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> and he went, oh, Dude, I know that guy fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned that to Jason that in the movie fucks. theater. Well, like, like there's a there's a reason we remember it, right? Like, there's it's okay. One guy is visually distinctive. Yeah, that's he's the like number. he's like wearing like a bright like a tank Kurt Russell top with like like a very yeah. patterned like like uh, image on this tank top, and it looks like a satin tank top. Guy or is something. like an '80s like action stuff, but like kind right. of a schluppy one, you know? Doesn't um, he lock eyes with the camera? He does. There's a, for like there's 30 a bunch seconds. of scenes of that. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's maybe the first one, and it's an extended it is the first slow-mo one. shot. And it's like the first time we see a human for that long. It definitely for that for that long. There's there's one and of I believe an air traffic. There's one of a I want to say a truck driver and air traffic controller. And there's the casino, which is the, the, casino. the women smiling yeah. at the camera, but, which uh, is like David Lynch shot. So you said, yeah, extremely. It, something so weird about seeing crowds and crowds and traffic and economic exchanges, and then all of a sudden a crowd, but then the most distinctive looking dude in the entire movie turning to you, looking straight at the camera, and yeah. just like. Just, just like Paddington that's, style, just like staring. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's Koyana Scotsy. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. That man's no. name. He's credited as Koyana <laughs> yeah. Scotsy in the film. Um, it, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit, I guess. I mean, it's very cool. Well, they're, takes they're you different out. creatures, right? The yes. ants dancing about the city and a human looking at you. It's I just so I think I was weird. There was that. Was that, was that I don't think anybody would have been. Was that before or after the microchips? I think that was just before they okay. started before, the first microchips. Yeah, the microchips stuff. were the start of Act Three for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is that like yes, it, that for sure actually. Yeah, it, there's a there's a scene where the sort of the the landscape or the cityscape zooms out and out and gets faster and faster until finally it sort of resembles the circuitry of a microchip, which is like kind of a shot you have seen before mm-hmm. if you're a nerd in 2018 but like it was probably kind of a bigger deal in 1981 but like it is visually arresting right we're like we're we're thinking we're seeing one thing which is a cityscape and then all of a sudden we're seeing these like these like really frightening looking alien circuits and like mm-hmm. they don't look like something that we understand really um which is to me that was the turn of act three it was like if act two was about what we're doing to the world and why, which was like we are imposing fragility and mortality on the world because it is how we feel we can understand and live in it. And then Act 3 is like, what does that do? And it was like, well, it is alienating us from ourselves and from the world around us, hmm. um, which is like, it, I, to me, Act 3 becomes very affecting because they do they take some really like 
zoomed in. This was a this is a movie speaking in such broad terms, right? Where like it's about all of humanity and all of time and human history. <laughs> and, and then like Act Three starts, and we get these sixty second shots of the Koyaanisqatsi guy, Koyaanisqatsi man, who's <laughs> staring Mr. at the Koyaniskazi. camera. Yeah, so, yeah. please, or, Mr. Koyaanisqatsi, or there's, a really, <laughs> there's a really good shot. There's a really good shot of just an old guy who's like wearing a tourism hat that mm-hmm. says like I'm not from here. Isn't like his, I can't remember what it says. Isn't his mouth moving like he's speak? Am I thinking of a different character? And he, yeah, maybe. Uh, he he. It just says like like I love New York or something. Or, I I don't know. It says something yeah. that indicates that he's a tourist, and he's just looking around this city, and he he just looks distraught or like. He, he looks upset. He's asking people on the street yeah. what the best pizza place is. Or, or, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> and he just doesn't know where he is or where he's going. Or, like, they show up. I need to buy a shirt for my son. I told him I would get him a shirt. Right. Yeah. Or there's another shot, uh, and this is, like, maybe a more stereotypically affecting <laughs> shot, but, like, uh, there's a there's a woman in the hospital and, like, obviously in pain and like she just reaches out her hand and then it, it shows another woman like take her hand and like she's in a hospital full of other people um yeah there are there are also shots of of humans both in act two and in act three so to speak of people working in factories and like churning out and like mm-hmm. that that juxtaposition of like churning out product and churning out um sort of hyper mechanized hyper standardized um automated factory work with humankind more broadly and i i think the the thematic point there of eventually industry moves to automation right right doing the things speaking to this wider alienation that i'm speak speaking about which is like like the the effect of all of this hyper automation and mechanization towards a sort of structure imposed on reality is to alienate people from that structure i definitely thought of uh maybe because i i I like this movie a lot, and I kind of want to reference it whenever I can. But uh, I, I definitely thought of um, kind of the main um, – there's like a sequence in the middle of uh, Ghost in the Shell um, that is very <sighs> typically – yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? I like that comparison a lot. There's a sequence in the middle of that that is about, I want to say, maybe six minutes long that is completely removed from uh, the plot of the movie. It is kind of – very tied into the the themes of the movie, um, but it is kind of still shots of life uh, in the city mm. and people going about their daily business. Um, s- shots of like mannequins looking yeah. out of like storefronts and yeah. like this fucking heavy classic Ghost in the Shell, you know, choir music playing in the background ghost in the shell is dope dude i love that movie it is very dope and so it's people you know it's at nighttime and you know neon lights you know lit up everything and it eventually does this crescendo to the shot of the mannequins and it's like the final thesis of that bit is you know a bunch of mannequins just kind of coldly staring out of glass at people going about their daily lives and like dude is that isn't that a mirror there's another is it really a glass about uh, it. Another great use of mannequins in Jackie. Very similar. I don't know. Everyone's <laughs> condemned the video game as well. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie's great also. Yes. We saw Jackie together. I we? did not see Jackie. Still have it's never seen Jackie. really, really You good. keep telling me and a coworker keeps telling me. Uh, anyway. Um, Koyanis Koyanis Jackie. Jackie. So, so I thought of that and then I thought of one other thing that I know for a fact both of you haven't seen that this is, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to explain it. Um, <laughs> I saw at... Uh oh! What is the art museum in town here? I saw the at Walker, Walker Art Museum. Yeah, I saw it at the. I was trying to think of whether I saw it at the Walker or the Weissman, and I saw it at the oh, Walker. Okay. Uh, but it was a uh, short film 
uh, student film by director Steve McQueen of uh, 12 Years a Slave right, uh, and you know, shame, hunger, uh, fame. And it Widows. was a, an art film now. he did. Oh, is it? Thanks we, for he did uh, Widows, yes, in yeah. theaters now. I've heard it's not as not good as, good as, as, you think uh, it as other great. films. Yeah, but, uh, what I'm you sorry. It's, gr- I, it's good. Viola Davis, Davis is amazing. Great. Viola yes. Davis is amazing. Anyway. The, the movie's okay. We're talking about Widows. This, it's yeah. the Widows cast. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys. Anyway. Uh, no, so he has a, a student film that is supposed to be kind of an uh, an alien life forms look at uh, human civilization, or an alien life forms attempt to kind of categorize and kind of put together a summation, like a, a very like researched uh, kind of focus educational sure, look at it, which is like kind of what you could say Quayon Escotzi is. It would it, be like an interesting. It is, yeah. So you know, there's images of like the human anatomy and there's like these weird symbols flashing across and the entire time there's like this weird kind of uh this kind of weird vocal you know this alien text or speech mm-hmm. in the background Pretty terrifying and it is images of the human body kind of broken down bit by bit and then bits of human civilization and it reminded me a lot of this and that again coming back to what you were saying i think you maybe got a bit more humanity out of this film than i did yeah. i w- i thought this movie was the coldest most really yeah, I, I was surprised by its warmth. Um, yeah, to I be wasn't. honest, I don't, I'm, I'm probably. I think you're maybe seeing something that I didn't. Maybe um, I don't know. I, I, you know, like the buildings that fell apart were tenement buildings, and like the yeah. the the suggestion to me there was like we we didn't just build these things. Like we needed them. Like tenements, you right. build tenement buildings because people need to live somewhere, the, right? Like the preceding and following shots are of people in lower income neighborhoods. Yeah. Right. Like there, there's, there's a sort of, uh, to me, and like maybe this is something that that elevated this movie to me is that it didn't feel like finger pointing. It just felt like tragedy. Mm-hmm. It felt like there was, it was saying something tragic about the human condition, but it wasn't indicting humanity for doing what we're doing. Which like maybe that's because it was made in 1982, and like maybe we do need a little bit more indictment or something. It's it's interesting that this, this is... This movie's attitude is interesting that, given some of the talks about climate change yeah, over the past Yeah, it's fascinating, right? It's, yeah. it's such an interesting thing to see an environmental movie in a sort of pre-global warming aware society. Not, not quite. Not pre, quite. But yeah, yeah, but it was... It's not so pressing. Pre- right. It's, yeah. Yeah. The world's not literally going to end in 50 yeah, years. Well, yeah. It's not like a sure thing um, where we're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... but I don't know. I, I really like the idea that, like, this movie really does take pains to not just sort of point out the failures of humanity, but, like, really delves into why we wanted that in the first place. Like, like it's sympathetic to the idea of wanting to impose a, a structure and um, sort of rule onto reality. <laughs> it, it's, it's like saying, like, well, like, people do need these things. Like, people need, sure. like order and, and structure and yeah. places to live um and like then Th- those machines of, will make it easier to do work yeah you know it, it's it's fascinating right and like well depressing yeah yeah <laughs> also fascinating um but but like it's not about like oh it's not pointing the finger and saying like look at what you did it's saying like what were the consequences of the things we thought we had to do <laughs> which is it, like it maybe is pointing the finger a little sure bit, though. yeah i yeah um, you're probably right i yeah i i Something about this movie. I feel like if this movie came out right now, there's maybe a bit of a different tone there. Mm. I feel like this movie is not. This movie comes out right now, or at least if I make this movie right now, the end of this is 
what the fuck? You know what I mean? My hands in the air. I'm on fire. Which is also a little bit what that is. Well, and it's what's warranted right now for sure. Um, Um, But like the last, should we? Should we talk about you the You finish and then let's talk about it. Because I think maybe the last shot is, in fact, a guy running around screaming on fire, right? Uh, metaphorically, to not me literally. It felt, yes. I mean, I, I definitely think this movie is a call to action. It's a call to action to be more human. It's like sure. a, a call to action to, like, to like fight against the alienization of modern technology and modern sort of society and like, yeah. like to sort of reclaim the humanity in the projects of what we're doing, um, maybe. Um which is like but but like to me what spoke to this more was even like the the really tragic um arc of like building this society in order to impose a structure and then like finding that our imposition of structure has only alienated us from one another and from what it is to be alive in a sort of very yeah. ironic way when you consider that like oh like we built this in order to understand like in yeah. order to to like build something that we could exist in and then it was like we built something we couldn't exist in <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a there's kind of a prevailing Jason. Sorry for I think I'm just we're just talking. Yeah, sorry. No, over please. Here. Like I said, I'm taking a back seat a little bit. There's kind of an economic. I don't know. I, I always kind of think of my my dad as an economist um, and kind of a he he teaches uh, micro econ, so it's kind of just the classic. You know, there's a supply line and there's a demand line, then they meet in the center, and it's like you know kind of nice graphs and all that, um, and. There's kind of this economic thought that just people will just kind of innovate our way out of any problem, right? Um, that, like, everything can kind of be solved just by more innovation, you know? Scarcity like, promotes yeah, innovation. And- people are hungry, but uh, you know what? We'll invent a machine that solves that. And, yeah, there's global warming. But, yeah, there's, you know, there's innovation as well. And the innovation is kind of this. Yeah, yeah. Graphs do show that shit sucks. But, like, yeah, there's this innovation factor that's, like, thrown in there that's, like, not graphable. Wow, what an optimistic view of human history. Of the human future. It, it's It's super optimistic, but, like... I don't know. I've always my personal opinion has been that you can't just technology your way out of every problem. Absolutely right? not. And yeah, that's, I, yeah. But there's a lot of people that do think that. There's a lot of people the that face are of neoliberalism you know, in the 21st century. <laughs> it is totally. Um, and I think the final shot of this film, which is the same, sorry, it is not the same spaceship as earlier. They're, they yes. edited it it's to make it to look. Yes, right. the story of the film. This is how this film uses mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. images we know are different to mean something else. Right. We should just say the last shot of the movie yeah. is the spaceship from the beginning. With the yes, the I don't know what's that called a launch pad. At the beginning, pad. we saw the launch pad fall off and the spaceship take off, and it's triumphant. And at the end, we see the spaceship rise up into the air and, and it explodes. And it explodes. And then and we watch the shuttle long shot, like yeah. Earth, which I actually Earth. really liked because yeah. there comes a time, like two minutes in, where you start dissociating that falling rubble from what oh, yeah. it was, which is, I think, the point. It's like at a certain point, it ceases to be the spaceship and it starts to just be. A flaming hunk of wreck falling sure. to Earth, yeah, and barely um, even falling because, like, the way that it's shot, it's not clear of direction because there's behind it is blue sky. Like, yeah. it's just sort of rotating and flailing and, like, in the wind. That, that to me was like that was like the final tragic irony, right? Is that like yeah. this isn't going to work out? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this thing that we built, like that that was supposed to give us this sort of command over the the sort of. Uh, essence of existence is not working like we're not going to succeed like right. our our uh our ultimate um our ultimate attempts at making sense of this have not succeeded and will not save us <laughs> I, I kept thinking of a, a quote from like 
I think Bill Nye who said it like just a few weeks ago. Um, and I know Bill Nye is, you know, I don't know. There's some controversy around Bill Nye. But like he, he was talking about climate change and specifically about terraforming Mars. And he had this quote that's just like, hey, hey, right now, you know, maybe in the future, maybe. But right now, not possible. Like there just aren't enough resources on Earth. We don't have the technology right. to actually... Like, even if we were to do our best to actually terraform yeah. it and we had, you know, NASA that was actually funded well and all this kind of crap, um, just physically actually is not possible, mm-hmm. right? That there yeah, are all should... these kind of innovation technology pipe dreams that are a way for us to kind of deflect away from a lot of the problems the, we have the, here on and Earth. And the fear of imminent destruction. Yeah, right? like, like hey, that sun's going to go out, but... I'm, we're definitely or, gonna we're gonna be in a different universe at that point. You know, well, it's gonna like, be interstellar. Never mind the have... sun going out. Like the seas are going to rise and wipe out a lot of humanity in sixty years or something. Yeah. Right? Like because of global warming. Uh, yeah. And there are a lot of people who think, well, we'll be able to technology our way out of it by then. And I think this and Elon Musk of, is talking yeah. about you know, oh, yeah, taking should, a private spaceship. We should up probably there call and... that out explicitly, right? Like Jeff Bezos and and Elon Musk and like these sort of like scions of like. 21st century yeah. neoliberal exceptionalism think that they're going to smart their way away from the Have imminent destruction that, of humanity. The, yes, the heat the, death of the universe. Not, not through systemic or, or cultural change, but innovation. But through yes. the innovation of a few very intelligent But through men. capitalism. Yes. Through capitalism, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, and I don't know how much of this, you know, I don't, when is this movie? 18, 1982? You know, I don't it's, know how much of weird, this attitude I'm putting yeah, on the film. Well, it's impossible not to in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of, like, this movie feels so relevant. It, I think I, it's stronger, though, because in 1982, what is the average person in 1982's image of, like, Space exploration, right? That's well, so much different. Yeah. F- when yeah, did the challenge decades happen? Or a few years, a few decades after we actually went on the moon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is so much more of a gut punch back then because it's not necessarily just about climate change. It's also, yeah, we had all these achievements, but, like, dude, what does that mean really if mm-hmm. we can't get our shit together down here? Um, yeah. Oh, shit. Powerful yeah, shit. The, the challenger didn't. This wasn't the challenger. Hap- no, it's not the it challenger. happened because the challenger happened after this movie was. Oh, made. really? Okay. Yeah. What years? Uh, it the maiden flight was in uh, nineteen eighty three, but the um, the break apart and uh, death of the crew members happened in nineteen eighty six. Jeez. So this movie like eerily like predicted foreshadowed, that, yeah, which is that's, yeah creepy as oh. fuck. <laughs> uh, which is, it's funny, and it shows how deeply ignorant and stupid I am, because, like, I came away from this movie def- definitely 100% thinking they were calling out the sh- the Challenger with that I, final I thought shot. It was, and being I thought like, it was too, and I was like, being that's like offended ballsy. By it. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a, um, but no, it was a, yeah, different spaceship and space. I keep saying space. I, I would call it a spaceship, but again, I'm an idiot. It was a different, so. <laughs> it was a different shuttle. Yeah, I, I play too many fucking video games. Uh-huh. It's a different shuttle. Um, so I don't know. Uh, you know, again, I think it's easy to kind of put our own spit on it just based on recent events, which I, mm-hmm. I think is totally fair. Um, yeah, and, depressing but, watch. Yeah, it is a depressing watch. Um, I, I think that I think that it's totally valid and, and appropriate to impose our 2018 sensibilities especially the theme i mean dude this movie came out before smartphones like can you imagine 
This coming out after it really smartphones. Came after, out before like any kind of cell phone. It's at a all. weirdly predictive movie, right? Like it real it's really looking ahead towards like what we're going to do. Because like this this movie definitely tells the story of the nineteen nineties and two thousands pretty well. Yeah. Um I'd written a note uh just what if they had drones or GoPro? Yeah. <laughs> just like what does this movie look like if they yeah. have a bunch of GoPros? Like probably a lot. But also what does this movie look like after smartphones, after working sex dolls? After all this kind of crap, like, yeah, this movie looks maybe a little different. very different, yeah. yeah, but probably not that much different. And, prob- actually. and like also with the condition of like imminent uh, global changes because of global warming happening and are it like are already occurring and about to occur. Um, I think that this movie would take on a much more sinister sort of like immediate. Tone. This movie is also Cold War, right? Yeah, <laughs> extremely. So yeah, I mean, I am not afraid every day of being nuked. Uh, so I mean, maybe I should be. Uh, maybe maybe you should I be should dude. be. <laughs> yeah. but I'm afraid of a lot of stuff, but not nuked. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's a different uh, I mean, kind like, of context there. Yeah. I mean, we're we're hyper. I was about to say the scariest thing, but like the scariest thing for me, a hyper privileged white dude, is totally different from the scariest thing for a lot of people in America yeah. right now. But I was going to say, like, in in some ways, the scariest thing is just things staying the same way that they are we'll never address climate change and then in 60 years a lot millions and millions of people are gonna die and yeah we won't have done anything about it and we haven't brought up what the movie's title means yes uh well they they call that out at the end which is a really stupid part of the movie at the very end that <laughs> yeah. i don't like very much uh you know but, the, wikipedia wasn't around back that's then true. you couldn't just look um, up what uh and, and actually means. uh to his credit uh godfrey reggio didn't want this movie to have a title and like big studios made it have a title um, wow but koyaniskatsi is a hopey word for crazy life or life out of balance um it's probably not amazing that white dudes used a Hopi word for the name of their movie. Reggio, uh, if you don't name it anything, how are we going to optimize SEO? <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> oh, yeah, because Koyana Scotsy is such an SEO-optimized name. It's yeah, the only movie fair, like that. Fair. Yeah, probably. Yeah, is. for real, though. But um, K-O-Y, Google's like, okay. But a? No. They don't just give you the title of the movie and its dictionary definition at the end of the movie. They also tra- of, yeah. they translate the chantings throughout the movie and like they they call out this um sort of hopey um prophecy that has three steps and like it it shows that like oh like all of these steps were met and like this is a a prophecy about the end of the world or something and like Mm -hmm. the last one is like a great metal something will rise to the air and then explode and it's like oh no well that's that's why like specifically the end that stinger I don't know who chose to put that in the movie, but that's why I don't know that I'm seeing what you guys saw in the movie about sure. it. like the that sort of warmth, that focus on like less the impact that humans have on like uh, the earth and more how fragile humans are and how they've imposed that fragility on the earth. Yeah, uh, is because it feels very like I can drift away and think that that's what the movie's about, but then something always grounds me back in it. In that sure. reading of it, and, and I don't know if that's in what reading do you mean of a very preachy style? Humans are killing the earth. Let's not kill the earth. Yeah, style. I did kind of struggle with that even kind of after the film. Just like 
how preachy is this really? Like, mm-hmm. what is the movie saying the George Carlin bit about, hey, the earth is going to be here in a million years? And we I think aren't? it's saying the opposite. I, th- I, I think, think right. it is that, too. That the legacy of humanity is that we have imposed mortality on the earth and it will. Yeah. <laughs> may, and we have destroyed it because of who we are. I hate <laughs> that reading, but I also like it, right? Like, that, that feeds into my kind of. Uh, you know, skeptic uh, kind of cynicism. What do you me. hate about it? Uh, it's fucking horrifying, oh, man. You just what mean, do you like, mean? It's sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's the saddest shit I've ever I heard you in my life. You didn't like it. Like it's, you didn't think it was. I mean, it literally is the end of the road. Like, have you guys yeah. read the road? Like, yeah, yeah. Just you, you, you take something, you can't put it back. Just like that's it, dude. Um, you know, we got we got some bombs and bunkers somewhere. We let off like four of those. Like. Shit ain't growing no more. Well, and also, like, it's worth noting that, like, in a profound way, we have already done that, right? Like, humans are directly responsible for the extinction of, yeah. like, hundreds of millions of extant animal species, Not right? Not really Just, a lot of animals in this. I mean, no, there's, humans are no, the real animals. It's about technology and, and humans, right? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I think there's another one that uh, foregrounds animals more which maybe is interesting but sure. i don't know if it's this i did look up the the sequels of this are not uh, as highly thought yeah of, from I, what I can tell um i would definitely want to see like samsara for example um, sure which is not a sequel it's it's spiritual by spiritual successor which is it's by robert frick who did the cinematography for this movie but not yeah. the director yeah um to, to your point, Jason, um, I guess I, I, I see some of the preachiness, particularly with the ending. I wonder how much of that preachiness is imposed. Not, I'm not accusing you of imposing something, but like I came in prejudiced against this movie, right? Oh, definitely. Because I was so like, ready for it to be the sort of preachy thing that I consider movies like this to sometimes be. Right. And so I was moved by the fact that it wasn't. Um, but I could also – I wonder if, if – uh, if we're pre- predisposed to read movies like this in a certain way. I know that I was. It, yeah. Again, I kind of went in expecting that. And I think I think my ultimate takeaway is that it was that, despite like sure. hearing like yeah. genuinely good evidence and a real discussion about it. I think I probably walked away with the I same. I think that's fair. Yeah, again, I mean, I first half of the movie hated it, and then the second half of the movie it kind of turned around and went, yeah, well, mm-hmm. that was... Well, and I mean, I think it is the thing that I said it is. I, I, actually, I think it's the thing I think it is. Uh, but, I, I mean, like, I definitely... <laughs> could bring you to this point. I definitely think Jason, it's affecting... It's <laughs> a, attempting to affect a sort of change, right? Like, it's definitely saying, like, things can't continue the way they are. Right. This cannot continue. <laughs> And you guys get the spiel uh, in in I don't know maybe like eighth grade English. Did a teacher ever say to you, you know, really good works of uh, literature? They don't preach. They have themes, but they don't tell you what to think. Yeah, and I was descriptive I, versus prescriptive literature. Yeah. yeah, and I think I kind of disagree with that now. I I think that like. I don't I'm, know. There, I mean, there there are all sorts of really, really didactic great works of literature. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that was a whole style. But I mean, like, I think they were probably talking more about like modernism and postmodernism, right? Sure. Like, that was a, a literary tradition that was supposed to be working away from yeah prescriptivism. It maybe didn't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I there there can be great, very preachy things. Yeah, there are all kinds of them. I yeah, feel so like I don't know. I guess I didn't feel like I was being preached to, but I think there's a pretty, I think, pretty fair reading of this movie where it is that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I I think maybe we should do more preaching about 
fucking up the earth, though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, like it would—it's a very valid thing to preach about, I guess. If you're gonna preach about something, that's, uh, that's maybe one of the... talk about like racial inequality. <laughs> sure, that too. <laughs> Is there a Koyaanisqatsi movie about race? Does that exist? I don't know. What would that look like? I don't. I, sh- I don't like the thought of that. No, much. I feel like it'd be way too touchy a line. To, this to, is already to impersonal tell. enough as it is. I think it would. Uh, yeah, that is definitely a criticism. Is that this movie can feel impersonal because it's trying to do. It's trying to be so broad. Um. Yeah. Anything else about this other than? I mean, again, hey, soundtrack, check that out. I, 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 on Sp- I should check to see if the soundtrack. I think everything is on we've said about the movie should just like. Especially what it depicts and how it like gets you to feel should be just should just retro, retro, retroactively apply the, the label that like the sound design is a huge part. The of that. soundtrack we should, is on we should Spotify call out for for better and worse uh, the way that we saw this uh, because I think that might have affected your reading of it. Now that I'm thinking about hmm. it, Jason and I saw it at the Trilon. It was a free showing sponsored by um, the U of M's uh, film. Yeah, some grad. Oh, that's cool. Department. Actually, it was. it was really cool. And yeah. the the guy, a grad student, I can't remember his name because, like I said, this was a, a while ago now. So I apologize. Maybe we can edit it in later. Sure. That guy's name was Matthew Chepikova Trayon, a PhD candidate in American Studies at U of M. Um, but he was great. Um, he he presented the film. It was it was awesome to see. Um, but then he did uh, um, show these commercials that uh godfrey reggio and ron frick did together for the um was it albuquerque uh i think so for albuquerque public television or something that prefigured these movies because they they were about like big brother information control and like like the end of privacy in the age of technology and they were like extremely like art house bullshit like oh okay. like we're talking like like big eyes on the screen and then like girl running with a, a hammer I, throwing like it a uh, child and then zoom out from the child and they're like dudes looking at her on like a television screen and like all of the sort of cliches that in that maybe were impactful then and certainly would have been impactful on public television randomly yep. but that that felt to me like unbelievably like it was just they were just kind of garbage a little bit. It felt like. Yeah, I watched me. THX eleven thirty eight recently. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> I you liked that though, right? That was very good. Cool. It's good. Good, Lucas. It's like the allegory of the cave, right? Like it's literalized. Oh, I didn't get that, but oh, uh, I've just heard that. I haven't seen the movie. Um. Anyway, uh, so maybe like seeing those. That was an up. interesting lens to to put on because like it was a nice added little bonus. To yeah, see it was super cool to see, see where it I came didn't from. like them though. No, no, and it probably did. Thinking back on it, it probably did consciously affect. Could you guys have just movie. snuck out after the end of the movie? It was the it beginning was of the movie. It, they oh, played those before. No, the movie. He, he, he introduced that before like, the movie. As a you can't have additional thing, content him, before. Well, but the idea was, and this is valid, that like literally the idea for Koyana Scotsy came out of these. Like mm-hmm. they oh, made really? a series of them, and then public television was like, "Don't make these anymore." And then literally, I think some of the footage that they shot. Mm-hmm. was used or was like sort of adapted into Koyana Scotsy. Sure. Like obviously they got a lot of new footage uh for Koyana Scotsy, but um seems like it took yeah. a different route maybe for the film as opposed to these. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um like I said I didn't think that this movie was as preachy as I thought it was. Um hmm. and I thought it was much more descriptive about 
what humanity is and what it's done and why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. Okay. Anyway, uh, is that it? That's Koenigsegatsi. Watch it, I guess. Hey guys, thumbs up, thumbs down. I, thumbs what up. would you give it out of five? I, I would I, say, don't. see this movie. I don't know if I'll see this movie again. That's fine. I don't. I don't know if this is a movie that uh, you necessarily have to rewatch over and over again. It's it's frustratingly difficult to recommend, right? Because like the, sure. the fact that it lacks a traditional narrative structure makes it feel a I'm lot longer. I'm this one on at the next family gathering. I don't Christmas parties. <sighs> it makes it feel yeah. longer than it's 85 minutes or it whatever. Do, it's a. It's quick too. 85 minutes does feel like maybe an hour 45. Mm-hmm. There's a psychological study or something about that, right? Where like like giving something a narrative makes it feel shorter or like like being divorced of narrative makes sure. you that know makes like sense. like looking at a, a series of images moving makes a minute feel much shorter than a minute on a still image where like yeah. if you see a, a single image like in a movie it feels like you're watching forever. Yeah. Uh, there's a great shot shout outs to Steve McQueen in uh 12 Years a Slave where um Solomon is hanging uh, in the f- oh, field, yeah. and they hold on it for like two minutes, and there are kids playing in the background before yep. anybody. Comes. Uh, I know what you're It's like about. one of the best single shots I've ever seen in a movie. Probably very hard um, to watch. Yeah, extremely. Um, but like, that's a good example of like just by holding on an image, you can say a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this movie does a lot of that. Um, both it plays with speed a lot, but the effect of it is that it can feel a lot longer. How than long is that shot with the plane? That's the that's the my understanding is that's the most famous kind of reference shot from the film. In the plane to, slowly turns to face towards oh, the camera right. and then slowly comes down the runway. Oh yeah, 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 and you're getting like the distortions. It from feels heat. long. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's got to be a good two minutes. It's very long. I mean, next to the falling debris, it's probably mm. one of the longest shots. But I, I, I would recommend this movie. Um, I, I quite liked it. Again, one of the weirder changes in my own kind of personal feelings while watching a film. I think. But um, you guys don't think you'd watch the sequels? I heard that they were kind would, of roundly I would maybe, forgotten. I would, I would watch the sequels. I would yeah. if they were. You know, maybe I wouldn't uh, go out of my way to order them uh, in DVD, but I would. I would watch them. DVD. Yeah. Yeah, it's You're not coming to my uh, Karina Scotsy sequel uh, watch party, <laughs> where I can watch oh, all 480 dude. pixels of the Karina Scotsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's Karina Scotsy. The end. Uh, thank you for listening to Try Love. Again, I'm Jason. I'm Harry. I'm Aaron. We'll be back again. <laughs>